Welcome back to a special episode of Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, and in this very special episode, we are joined by a couple other mental health podcasts. Um, among them are Freudian Sips, Capes on the Couch, Guardians MH, and Popcorn Psychology. And we did a little bit of a mental health and pop culture roundtable discussion. And it's, it's, it's a great conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be a part of it, but Mike represented the pop psych community very well. Um, so we really appreciate all the other podcasts uh, organizing this with us and putting together an opportunity to you know, destigmatize some of the ways mental health is portrayed in pop culture and in media at large. Uh, so we hope you guys like the conversation. Hello and welcome to a very special podcast. I guess we're calling this uh, Sipping Pop While Guarding Your Popcorn on the Couch. Uh, my name is Anthony Sitko, co-host of Capes on the Couch, and I am joined by a quite a motley crew of podcasters, uh, a bit of a menagerie. Why don't we, I guess, all go around and identify ourselves. Uh, we'll start, well, since I'm looking at popcorn psychology right now on the, the camera, why don't uh, you three identify yourselves? Hi, I'm Brittany Brownfield. I'm a child therapist. My name is Ben Stover. I'm a clinical director and individual therapist. My name is Hannah Espinoza, and I'm a marriage and family therapist. And we're popcorn psychology. And then next, I guess we'll switch over to Anna from Freudian Sips. Hello, I'm Anna from Freudian Sips. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor in Illinois, and I am representing myself and my lovely mother, who cannot be with us today. And... Uh, and then we will go over to uh, Pop Psych 101. Hi, I'm Mike from Pop Psych 101. I am uh, uneducated. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, the co-host of Pop Psych 101, and uh, I'm bipolar, which is like my what I do on the show. I guess does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then uh, and then we counts. got and then yeah. we've got uh, Project That's my Guardians. Angle. Yes. Hello. Uh, we are uh, Project Guardians, formerly. We are now uh, Guardians MH. We are a 501c nonprofit for the mental health awareness and gaming community. My name is Alex, also known as Sentinel Dad. Uh, professionally, I'm a malpractice investigator. I'm Dr. Goku. I'm a resident in psychology and a, the clinical director at Guardians MH. And I'm Joe, and I am the unprofessional average joe <laughs> all right there's more there's more you're not alone no uh i uh trained in various different uh uh crisis intervention preventions i'm also a uh, crisis counselor with uh crisis text line and uh continuing my own education in the mental health field excellent excellent well thank you all for joining uh this group that uh, i sort of put out a clarion call on Twitter. Uh, I think that's how we all sort of interacted and, and met with each other was, mm -hmm. was through Twitter. Uh, my show, uh, Capes on the Couch, uh, my co-host, Doc Issues, is a board-certified psychiatrist. So like, uh, like some of you, I am, I am not a professional uh, licensed. Uh, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm an attorney. Uh, by trade, uh, but I'm just somebody who really loves comic books. And uh, unfortunately, Doc could not join us today uh, because his work has been absolutely ridiculous. He got a new position, and then I think everything just went to hell from there. And uh, <laughs> mm. uh, sadly for him, 
good for his bank account, sad for him personally. Um, but so we That's what also- happens when you take on more responsibility. Yes. And also mm-hmm. what happens when one of your, uh, the, the doctors in your ER gets assaulted by a patient and has to leave work for a couple of days and you end up having to carry the load, <laughs> yeah. which yeah, that unfortunately uh, happened. So in any case, um, I got you uh, all sort of together because we're all, we all play in very similar sandboxes when it comes to the topics of our shows. And I thought it might be fun to sort of uh, discuss sort of, I guess, what, what brought us into the field, why we, uh, why we care so much about mental health and why we all opted to create podcasts to discuss it. And then sort of discuss, I know several of us uh, several of the podcasts here look at the intersection of mental health and various aspects of pop culture. And so we can discuss sort of the progression of the depictions of mental health through our respective chosen, uh, I guess, areas, as well as uh, personal stories. So um, I guess that's, uh, so I guess I'll start with myself. Um, since I'm, I'm talking and no one seems to be interrupting me. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're all listening we so intently. I, no, I am not that interesting to listen to, I swear. Well, yeah, um, yeah I we specifically about... said, though, try not to interrupt. <laughs> okay, that's, that's true. I did say that. Um, <laughs> so We're just following your rules, Anthony. Yeah. I, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Um, so I we, think we, there's a certain amount of irony in saying I'm not interesting to listen to, but you have a podcast. Own well, it, man. Well, isn't that what we all think? I don't think. <laughs> I think I'm fascinating. I don't know. I'm what amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, 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 we're actually kind of awesome. So yeah, there's agreed. there's just there's just so much humility floating around right now. I know. Seriously, <laughs> it's amazing that, that your heads have all managed to fit in the frames of the uh, the video that I'm looking at on the podcast. That you must have amazing neck muscles for mental health. Um, so I don't know so how many it, humble people operate podcasts just as a rule <laughs> there you go probably true fair enough fair enough so uh, so, fair enough. so in any case doc and i started this about a, a year and a half ago or so because we were driving uh we were driving to pittsburgh for a tough mutter and we were talking about how we've always wanted to talk about the intersection of mental health and its depiction in comic books and we thought about a book and we thought about um, you know, a couple of different things. And we settled on a podcast because Doc wanted to retain some semblance of anonymity uh, with his, his professional life. And also I have a radio background. And so we thought that would be a good marriage of the two. And it just sort of spiraled from there. And, and the show started as a way to show the differences between what certain characters are alleged to have in terms of their mental health. Like, oh, this character is bipolar or this character has schizophrenia. But what would that really look like? And what it's sort of, I guess, morphed into is a more general and broad-based discussion about each of the uh, disorders that these characters have and how you would treat them, but also discussing how they would be uh, treated in a in a real life scenario and focusing much more on the destigmatization of mental health um, in in terms of uh, comic books and and pop culture writ large. So that's sort of how we got started. Um, anybody else want to take it from there? Sure, I guess we can go. Um, so I credit the Last Jedi really with starting our podcast. Hannah and Brittany, I would sit around and discuss how well we thought that Mark Hamill depicted someone who was traumatized in The Last Jedi and how that would be 
very easily uh, or WD, sorry my mics are there we go so it, we thought it would be very easy to discuss how well he represented trauma and how a traumatized person might respond to the massive amounts of uh, complex trauma he has encountered throughout his life and then when all the fan backlash started like well what do you mean like he's not acting like luke of course he's not acting like luke luke has happened to him and then after we discussed it in the office several times, I went home and in the shower just had an epiphany. And then the next time I saw them, I was like, oh my God, we have to do a podcast. Because I know they both listened to them avidly. And they're like, we have to do this. Mm -hmm. That's where it started. Yeah, I think, I mean, specifically with that movie, I remember there was something where we all loved that Last Jedi so much because we thought it was a really intelligent, like emotionally intelligent movie. And I think we were all really caught off guard by the like what Ben was saying, the response to it. And so it kind of gave us an idea that there is a, not necessarily a need there, but there's definitely like still a disconnect between how mental health really looks um, in like media and when it's done well, like how it's still kind of misunderstood possibly by the general population. And I think the other part really was that we all worked in uh, community mental health and really uh, wanted to help in any way just decrease mental health stigma because of all of the, just all the interactions we have with people around that and really wanting to help people. Again, people are so uneducated about mental health um, in such a specific way that it really felt like this would be such a good way to help just increase knowledge about what it would be like and also what it's like to be in therapy. Because I think, because that also is so stigmatized as well. Right. And then I think the, the last thing that I'll say about us is what started it, at least got me thinking about it, was my favorite class I took in undergrad was a uh, psychology and film class uh, and reading the, the textbook we use for that. And then also uh, finding uh, Dr. Travis Langley's books on like Batman and psychology and all the myriad of geek psychology stuff he has done. All of those inspired me to kind of go this direction with it and want to communicate about mental health uh, to destigmatize it in the way Hannah was talking about and put it so well. Mm -hmm. and, and what podcast are you guys? We are Popcorn Psychology. Yeah, I just figured people would, would be like, "Who? I don't know who those three people are. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah, I definitely failed to mention that. I do that sometimes. You always have to plug the show. Come on. Yeah. Um, Anna, I guess why don't you jump in then? That's, that's good that I get to go right after Popcorn Psychology because I'm angry at Popcorn Psychology for doing the podcast that I want to do. <laughs> I, I love movies and I wish I could have done a podcast about m mental health in movies. So I, I love listening to you guys just because nice. you talk about stuff that, and you talk about it so well that I can't be too mad at you, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, one of the reasons that we wanted to start a podcast mainly is just because we talk about this stuff anyway. Um, one of the things that I love about our, oh, I'm Freudian Sips, by the way. I am I was Freudian. about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I, I am also Freudian Sips with my mom, Bonnie. She can't be here today, but we are always getting together and we're always talking about new concepts and we're talking about different theories in psychology and eventually it just got to this point where like we should be recording this and maybe other people will want to listen to this as well because I really love that when we do these weekly episodes on the various things we talk about that I always learn something. 
everything. And I feel like a really important part of being in this field is just constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly, you know, expanding our minds and our own viewpoints. So I think it's really cool that we've given ourselves an opportunity to do that every week. Um, and very much like you, Anthony, my mom has a um, background in radio. So we were able to kind of join those two ideas and start something that we hope people like listening to as much as we like doing it. I think you guys are a hoot and a half. It's always a pleasure <laughs> yeah. to listen to the way that the two of you interact um, and uh, play, play back and forth with each other. Um, we are not quite as... Um, directed as some of you guys like i really i i really admire that you guys have this like we talk about this and we talk about these things and how they you know go with mental health and we're just like eh, let's talk about a person this week uh, let's talk about an idea i don't know i don't know um guardians yes um so i'm uh we are the guardians mh podcast we actually just changed our name from project guardians since again we, since again since we established our 501c3 nonprofit. uh we, the, the new yeah, name is awesome the the yeah, it, it was it took a lot arguing <laughs> the state of new york trying to get the proper nonprofit name uh but no, the the podcast is an insulary item for us like we we started off um well Joe and I did charity streams for a couple of years, just back and forth for different causes. And um, I think Joe asked me, he goes, so what are we going to do next? I was like, I think I want to do something with mental health. And, and uh, we were just started, started right away. You know, I personally, I, uh, I had a struggle. I'm a suicide uh, survivor. Um, so that kind of fueled my passion for it. And so we started this, we said, all right, well, let's do a mental health awareness stream. And like, as we got closer to it, it was picking up a lot of steam. Like a lot of people were really into it. It's like, all right, well, maybe we'll make this like a yearly thing or we'll do different causes every few months. And that's what we did. And that evolved into a, a mental health awareness community specifically for the video gaming community. And eventually that just kind of evolved. And we said, you know what, let's, let, let, let's go all in. And the podcast was simply just another avenue for talking about mental health, for trying to break that stigma. And, you know, we, we definitely gear it towards the video gaming community, but it's for all. We do talk about pop culture um, on, on our show. Every episode, we also do uh, uh, by Dr. Goku because um, <laughs> he's the one that can form a consistent thought one moment at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he's a doctor. Just say, I mean, he's got a lot of student debt, but whatever. Um, Breach. So, so we, we do a character analysis. It's either a video game character or, or pop culture character. Like on our most recent episode, we did um, Ash Williams, the protagonist from the Evil Dead series. Oh, cool. And, um, Dr. Awesome. Goku. to the king, baby. Yeah. This is my yeah. boomstick, brother. Um, but, you know, <laughs> in, in, in most of the time, Dr. Goku tries to, you know, throw a, a, a psychological spin on it and try and... Uh, more or less diagnose the character, which is a lot, mm. a lot of our uh, listeners uh, really enjoy it. Mm. Um, so again, the podcast is another avenue for getting it out there and we just try and have fun with it. It's in, especially for the video gaming community, which has thankfully in 2019 is being less stigmatized as we go on. You're, it's, it's, it's a diverse set of people that are playing this and it's not, you know, uh, 
20-year-old guys in their mom's basement anymore. (laughs) And to play off that more, video games have an incredible potential to become powerful tools uh, that can change the way people think about mental health. I mean, they can create this experience like no other. Like uh, there's uh, several games that have come out in recent years that depict uh, mental health uh, conditions and illnesses that video games have never really tapped into or were able to depict. Uh, the one that really comes to mind is Hellblade. Exactly. You really deep dive into that one. As yeah, that as, one was amazing. As far as psychosis is concerned. And then <laughs> we're, we're going to steal a few seconds and plug our friend Ken Hall. Um, <laughs> Joe, I mean, he's, he's a, a Canadian and he's forming this game that's almost – it's almost like an action in a card game where you're you're the whole synopsis of the game is that you're a soldier and you are uh, supposed to manage your squad's mental health. Yep, the mental oh, health aspect of the characters plays just as much of a factor as the fighting in the game. So, yeah. what's the game the, called? Destiny Sword, and that's Destiny from Sword. Two- that sounds awesome. Yep, it's from. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, it's from uh, Two uh, Two Dogs Games, and they also partnered with uh, a veterans organization up in Canada to to get real feedback on the psyche of a soldier in the midst of combat. Yeah, they partnered Uh, with Spartan Wellness, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. But no, so 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 that's kind of the 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 click or the medium that we were trying to go for again it was just another medium to uh talk about me- talk about mental health you know we also have like several other programs in our wheel for like uh, peer support uh real-time support we do have some uh mental health professionals such as uh dr goku in our community discord so people at any time 24 7 be like hey i'm having a problem can I talk to someone and we very much say, you know, we are not a substitute for professional care, but if you're in crisis and you want to talk to either a mental health professional or uh, a trained crisis innovation specialist, such as Joe and myself, you can do that. Um, That's super cool. But That's yeah, so because I think a lot of people don't seek mental health because they don't know where to start. They don't, right, don't know how. Right. And it, especially for the, uh, the community, we try and touch the most like video gamers. There are, Touching back on that stigma, there are a lot of video gamers who are, I think recluse is too much, too harsh of a word, but people that are less socially, are less, yeah, introverts (laughs) are less, less socially active. I know like down here where I'm in Atlanta, like I have very few local friends. Most of my friends I know online, you know, like Joe, Dr. Goku, some of my other gaming friends. So having that medium to, to talk to someone when you don't, you might not have a confidant in your local area it was really it was very important to us yeah have you guys heard of the game uh that dragon cancer no so uh, not the side rail is too much i just thought the video game thing was so interesting with the mental health aspect there is a a father he was a, a video game designer or coder and uh he lost his son his young son like three or four years old to cancer uh and oh yes i know this game yeah and it's obviously i can't even imagine you know just so yeah he was he he won one of the awards at uh, Mm -hmm. the video game awards recently yeah this game is like uh he he wanted to document what grief is like Mm -hmm. and you you play this game where you're it's more like a story game but i guess you you go through and 
kind of follow what happens like in the hospital and at home with his child. Uh, and it's kind of like a select this game, you know, point click game. And, but as the game goes on, you lose less control of what you're doing. And because, because the cancer won, um, it, it, but you know, it's obviously at the end, like there's a lot of lessons to be learned about like how to deal with, you know, something you can't control or not. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's very, that's very a, I don't know. I don't know how far we're actually going into uh, yeah. <laughs> game. depression quest is a really good little, that's game. a great one. Yeah, it's it's really it really gets you in the mind. I think it's especially important for people who don't have depression to play because it really helps you understand what it's like to have depression and that like out of control feeling is is very it kind of builds as the game goes on. If you don't like get help for this depression, then you just have less options. It's a really powerful like really getting inside the viewpoint of someone who has depression. I think another one that plays alongside that uh, depression quest is actually Night in the Woods, which uh, really depicts uh, depression and anxiety as well with somebody, you know, that moves away from home and then ends up moving back home and then having that, you know, isolation and then the depression really hits them. It's a really uh, interesting game and really uh, touching. Actually, the the creators of it, I can't think of the studio off the top of my head, but Adam and his wife, uh, I've met them at PAX and they developed the game and he actually suffers from depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's another one to look into. It's a really great game. But I'm going to have uh, to get you guys to send me a list of these. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> the game, yeah. We'll put them in the show notes. But in a uh, n- nutshell, that's kind of uh, where our podcast um, uh, uh, birthed from. I think not only that was a great story, but also uh, a lot of good tips and potential uh, following games for some of the the listeners uh, of this podcast. So even if you're not super into gaming, I'm sure there's there's a video game out there in that lengthy list that uh, that might interest you. Um, so Mike, I think you were the only one who didn't get a chance to to go uh, on sort of where where Pop Psych 101 came from. Sure. Uh- uh, so yeah, Mike, uh, co-host of Pop Psych 101. Um, we are we're a lot like uh, Pop Popcorn Popcorn Psychology. We're uh, I call them a sister podcast. There's like there's a few of us that are really similar uh, mm-hmm. with uh, concept, but um, I think we all execute it like dramatically differently. Um, and it's it's just cool because there's just so much information, and we're all it's. I don't know. It's easy to get into with the movies and stuff, but we do uh, mental health um, in movies, books, television, and we do news and stuff as well. Um, but like I said, up top, like kind of my angle on it is that I do uh, have bipolar disorder uh, and I host my podcast with a, um, with a therapist uh, who lives in New Jersey and uh, we met like randomly online. Um, I'm a, I'm like an audio guy, uh, just like a, you know, an audio file and his show was out there and I ended up hearing it and um, I, I kind of got the sense that he needed help with his sound and uh, he had, he had another podcast he was doing um, and I just offered my assistance like editing his podcast for free uh, as a kind of like pay it forward to mental health. Um, because he was doing good work for free and it, I just thought he needed to be heard. 
And um, we, you know, sort of formed a friendship that way. And then he, he wanted to expand that show. And he ended up deciding that uh, he made a list of things and was like, put it out on a poll on a, on a Facebook group, like a podcaster support group. And it had like a whole bunch of ideas for segments for a show he wanted to do on that current show. And one of them was uh, the movies, books, and TV like sort of angle. And I was like one of the only ones that was like, yes, do that. And uh, eventually he just like emailed me and was like, do you want to like make a different show and just do that? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, and for me, like getting into it is like, I've, I've just always, I'm obsessed with creating. I, I can't stop. I've, I've just, I've been, um, you know, in bands since I was like 13 and I've, uh, I, I used to be a pitch writer. I used to assign, I was in, on an agency. We like wrote pitches for sitcoms for a while. Uh, we got fired and nothing, you know, it was terrible. We were, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, no one ever picked anything up there, but yeah, I've done just so much different kind of things. And this is just like the next Avenue for me to do something creative. Um, so I always do kind of like to say that when I joined Pop Psych 101, I, I started it very selfishly. Um, it was just another avenue to create. And there, whereas I was like doing the helping him out because I wanted him to be heard uh, with the audio for like free, doing Pop Psych wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking like, oh, you know, I could help people by making this show. I, I just kind of thought, you know, I'm going to do this fun thing for me. Um, but then we released our third episode. Uh, we did, um, is what we do is, is, is we find something in the media and we cover a very specific thing. For example, we did uh, bipolar disorder in Silver Linings Playbook. So we talked about their depiction of bipolar disorder and whether or not it was accurate. And that's, that's kind of our angle. Like the, it, things are portrayed this way. Is it accurate or not? And if it's not, what does it actually look like? Um, so we talked about that movie and, and Ryan was, uh, just enthused that he thought it was like such a great portrayal. Well, I have bipolar disorder and I didn't think it was the best portrayal. Um, it is up until a point in Silver Linings Playbook, but if you really pay attention in the third act, the, his mental illness just disappears and they don't ever talk about it again. It's like he's cured because he found Jennifer Lawrence. Because of the power of love, yeah. Yeah, the power of love. and <laughs> Which is uh, a trope you see over and over. Like, Betty yeah. and June's a good example of that. Yeah. Like, and it's just like... Johnny Depp and she's fine. We can live independently all of a sudden. Yep. And, and so we, like, Ryan had an opinion. And, like, by the end of the episode, he was like, whoa, you know, I didn't think about that. But what, what ended up happening was um, we had to record the episode twice because... Uh, and I hate this word, but I kept getting triggered <laughs> oh, sure. mm -hmm. and I had a really hard time talking um, about uh, like the intensity of his, uh, of his bipolar disorder that was being portrayed. And I just kept like stumbling over my words and, and I couldn't think and I was asking terrible questions. And, you know, I'm an editor. So at the end I was like, I think this is salvageable. And he's like, okay. And, and what I ended up doing is, I just put it out without any edits in it um, because it, it just felt like this is a real, this really happened to me. You know, I was triggered by these events that re reminded me of me. Anyway, the, the point of that is um, apparently that reached people. Um, we just 
like a, we kind of just like, you know, rocketed after that. And um, we got a lot of response to it. And, but what we got was letters. We got a few letters from people um, about how much it helped them and, and to see like somebody, you know, and just kind of vicariously feel the same thing. Um, and then my selfish need to make something just totally like 180 on me. Uh, and I realized, oh, wow, um, there's this whole other thing. And so like my goal just shifted. And ever since then, you know, we just, it's just been kind of like trying to help people. So we have like a, a Facebook group where people can come and, and just talk about their problems if they want to or goof around or whatever. And it's, it's called Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat, but it's like way less about our podcast than it is about just what's going on. But um, other than that, yeah, we just, it, we just fool around every week and have fun. That's awesome. I, I, I think we can Love all it. agree. I think we can all agree that like using the podcast as a medium, that like even if we just reach one person to at least consider and think about their mental health, it's worth it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And yeah. using we, pop culture or um, or be movies, video games, comics to show mental health as a relatable topic can really destigmatize things. And I use um, popular culture in my own private practice almost on the daily to either get a link with a client or work on a specific diagnosis or on homework for them to yeah. work on to help them heal through some of the difficulties that they may have. Well, I actually have a question. I do the same that. thing. Because it's uh, all around us. It's something that we can all kind of baseline understand. Yeah, I was just going to ask like all of the professionals here that that use that like because you're you guys are dealing with strangers basically especially in the beginning. And it's like I don't know, do you think like most therapists and psychologists do that because like it's the way in? Not really. It, no. it depends no. on the therapist. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I, I've had an interest in uh, po in popular culture, mainly comics, video games, since I was a kid, and it followed me through undergrad. I did my graduate thesis on it. Uh, I got certified as a superhero therapist uh, this year, <laughs> and it's it just part of my entire upbringing. And as, as, as a quick sidebar for the character analysis we talked about, uh, we, we made Dr. Goku, as a Canadian, uh, do a character analysis on Captain Canuck. <laughs> True story. Oh, no. <laughs> that was it was fun. awesome. How did that go? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. It was good. It was surprising. I, these guys are awesome. I'm telling you. Got to do all of Alpha Flight then. <laughs> <laughs> You can do See? Logan. You can do Wolverine. Yeah, Not good. Yeah. All the that we haven't even touched on. We haven't All really touched any character. of the really big characters yet. Yeah. Uh, no, Ryan, the therapist on my podcast, like he he won't do Batman. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I that. I fucking hear him. that. Oh shit. He's like Superman and Batman are the people you don't really want to touch. That's what Doc says on our show all the time. He he doesn't want to do Superman. He doesn't want to do Batman. We did Captain America, and even that was a difficult one to to discuss. Uh, we only did that one because one of our our top level patrons said, "Oh, I think you guys should do Captain America." It was like, well, yeah, well, we did Cap no too, and Cap was was tough. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot of I mean, I talk about Batman in every podcast. 
Yes, you do, Ben. Yes, you absolutely do. Uh, I'll tell mostly you when just to be mostly to troll Hannah and Brittany. But. Yeah, mostly it's just like a dick move. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of our favorites we did was Squirrel Girl. Aww. Nice. It's a very fun character. Hey, um, she was. Yeah. So I so I I think uh, you know we're we've we've heard a, a lot of personal stories um, so far at least and and uh, getting back to, to some of the things that were being said earlier that uh, I forget who it was that said it that if we can touch one person with the podcast um, it's all worth it and and mm-hmm. uh, to sort of piggyback on on what I think it was I think it was Mike that was saying like it got away from it got away from us like it's it no longer became about what we wanted to talk about and then it became okay how can we really help people um how can we make this bigger than ourselves how can we make this really uh, impact the the larger community and have something positive to say and and uh you know, and the the great thing, and I'll sort of use this to segue into to the next topic I want to discuss, is we've started talking to writers, and we started interviewing them on our show. And um, what I've really been fascinated with is this notion that they really, the writers nowadays, have really started to take a lot of the mental health uh, considerations into their writing, and that they focus much more on what. On, on really humanizing these characters because back when comic books started in like the thirties and forties, you know, it was, was tautological. Good guys were good because they were good. Bad guys were bad because they were bad. Like that was it. It was black and white. There wasn't a whole lot of gray there. And then over time, really starting with the sixties, you started to see this little bit more of humanization and characterization creep in. And nowadays uh, we, we interviewed uh, Jeremy Whitley and he wrote all about uh, the unstoppable wasp and Nadia Van Dyne and how, in the book, she goes to therapy, and that is that is shown. And I um, interviewed Robbie Thompson at New York Comic Con, and that interview will be uh, well by the time this episode airs, it will be out. But he wrote Silk, who went to therapy, and mm. I think one of the things that we're seeing now is this idea that depicting characters with legitimate mental health struggles is okay, and that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to show that. And we, when we were talking to Jeremy, his depiction of Nadia going through a bipolar episode, she went from the manic to the depressive. It, the, the time frame was slightly compressed, but the depiction itself was incredibly realistic and did such a service to show what that is really like. And that bipolar disorder is not two-faced flipping a coin, that there's actual depth to it. And so what we've seen over the years, uh, and certainly in recent history, is a realistic, much more realistic portrayal of mental health struggles in comic books. And I think it's for the better. And I think that if someone reading these books sees the characters going through this, and they're like, wow, they're a superhero, and they can do all these things, and yet they're struggling, then, and they're going to therapy, then I then if I'm struggling, I can go to therapy because if they need help, you know, and they're like a superhero, then, you know, sort of like it, it, it makes them more human and, and it can impact people. And that's what we like to talk about on the show. Um, and I don't know what everybody else is. I'll just sort of throw this open. Then I don't know what everybody else's experience is in your field of expertise or on your show or whatever, but what have you seen in terms of the, the depiction of mental health struggles uh, throughout pop culture as it's progressed through time? I think if I can jump in that I think one of the most important things you just said is that those those characters 
are going to therapy. They're not just getting better because they're dating Jennifer Lawrence or whatever. They're actually working on their stuff and they can. It's not just going to be a magical fix. It's going to be a lot of hard work. And I think that a portrayal that's been in media is something is going to happen. A big thing is going to happen and then you're going to be better. And Mm. that's not how it works. And I think the more that media depicts that it is a journey instead of just an event, I think that gives people hope that just because they're not better after they go to therapy one or two times or something big happens that it's like, well, then I'm not going to be better ever. Right. Because it's, it's not like, you know, like bipolar disorder or like a personality disorder is going away. It's, it's got to be managed. It's not this like three act thing and, you know, woohoo and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, oh, I'm done working on my mental health. Yeah. Well, I know, I know, I know for us, I know Dr. Goku's like a broken record with it, but it's a record everyone <laughs> should keep playing. But I mean, mental health, along with your physical health, of course, is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing I see uh, a lot in my practice is some of the new clients, they want that quick fix. They say, all right, one or two sessions because they're used to going to their medical doctor saying, all right, you have this, take this pill, you're good to go. Mm. And they expect kind of the same thing within therapy Mm. and not seeing it as, okay, this is going to take six, 12 sessions or a year or more. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, I know in the US and Canada, we kind of have different systems, but they're still rather, rather similar in terms of insurances, in terms of mental health to go see a mental health professional, most insurance companies pay for three, four, if you're lucky. It's treated as a luxury, not a need. Yeah, and it's something that you can do some work in three or four, but you're not really going to get to the root of the issue and completely help the person manage what's going on. Hmm. Yeah, well, the one thing I've, I've said repeatedly, and I've said to my wife, who's, who's started going to therapy, is recovery is not linear. And I think that's another important thing that, yep. that a lot of people miss, that if they're having, they're improving, quote unquote, or that yep. they're, they're managing it better, and then they have an off day, all of a sudden, oh, well, I, just, I guess this didn't work or whatever. No, you're having a bad day. You're ha- it's a setback. It's not a reset. You know, and if you if you can keep that in mind, you know, you a general you that if that if it's possible to keep that in mind that it's not linear, that you may take three steps forwards and then one step back and then four steps forwards and three steps back or even two steps forwards and five steps back. But as long as you continue focusing forward, I think that's that's the key thing. And and, yeah. and any pop culture depiction that shows otherwise you know as you said that all of a sudden oh i found the love of my life and therefore everything else goes away mm-hmm. um it, it, you know that's not how this works that's not how any of this works <laughs> <laughs> well i know that hannah and i actually watched carrie last night and there's a line in it where the original the remake the original the original where sue the main non-carrie character like goes through this whole big trauma of you know all of her class dying and stuff spoilers um and the mom says on the phone to her friend well the doctor said she's so young that she won't even remember this and she's like 18 years she's old. a teenager and so like that in itself is kind of the old school mentality that like once something happens to us like we can just get over it Let's get over it or after long enough it won't affect us anymore mm-hmm. and 
I think that's something that always bothered me about older movies that I think now a lot of movies have gotten savvy to. And I don't know also if it's because we now are in a time of like these big cinematic universes where there are movies over years and years and years where we're able to see how these characters are further affected by all the things that happened in earlier movies. But I remember like Hunger Games being one that really impressed me when I read the books and then saw the movies of, oh, this really horrible thing happened to her. And then she's continuously affected by that thing. Not this idea that's in a lot of media where once the thing that is uh, traumatizing is passed, then they're fine. They can go back to baseline like nothing happened. Right. That series even ends kind of like that, where it's just like, and she's still affected. You know, it's not like yeah, she's doing her best. Yeah. And Peter's still affected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to talk about um, uh, movies because I have to go in like five minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you said you wanted me to talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> I am the I'm not a reader that's Ryan <laughs> but uh as far as like books are you talking about books thank god I have books are fantastic yeah but just like as far as generally like the portrayal of, of what I've noticed um you know we're on like 50 episodes now so it's like uh okay I'm really starting to get a grasp on on the portrayal throughout history and just in general I I would say um my opinion is that it's hit or miss in any decade. Uh, there are some earlier stuff like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that's like just so right on, in my opinion. They, they hit the nail on the head with that one. Right. And even to the point we talked a lot about when we did that episode, um, people don't like Nurse Ratchet in that. Uh, they, you know, she's like this like horrible villainous character throughout all of media, right? Like totally right. Well, mm-hmm. well known. When really, when you look at it from like our perspective or even a professional's perspective, you're like, she's just trying to do her job. Um, and they portrayed yeah, right. her that way. And she just got a bad rap because she had to be forceful, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, and, and, and of course, when you take into account like the period in which it's supposed to be depicted. Yeah, and there's a lot of sexism. She was there burnt too. out. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah, I feel like for eighty percent of that movie, she's handling herself like a professional would. And when you watch that movie when you're younger, you identify with McMurphy and go like, like, oh, the system is screwing him. But then as you get older and more of a professional, you like, no, McMurphy has antisocial personality disorder and yeah. continuously yeah. demonstrating deviant behavior. Oh, he's such. He's the worst. You know uh mm-hmm. entertaining but he's the the problem in that area you know um but just there's stuff that's so good in different decades and, and then there's stuff that's just so wildly off that but that's the important thing that we have to look at with media and the depiction of mental health is who is the viewpoint character who are we supposed to be identifying with right now who is the one telling the story who who is you know where do all these factors come into play how it's being framed i mean if we're supposed to identify with the person experiencing the the mental health problems then is it being depicted in a way that is both relatable but you know understanding and gentle and but also as harsh as it needs to be. I mean, there's a really difficult balance to walk. I agree. And I think the something that I want to touch on with mental health and media is something we touch on on our show a lot because it makes all three of us bananas is that the you either see someone in therapy and then everything's okay 
after a few sessions or they talk to a therapist once and like, oh, oh I'm okay now. And it's like, hold on, the epiphany like, in one session. Therapy and mental health meds aren't like taking a um, dose of antibiotic. You can't yeah. take it's a not course a of meds for a little while and then be healed and be better. Well, then the therapist is going to say something so mind-blowing in that session. It's going to get to like the very core of your being and like alter your whole brain chemistry. Right. I and more then, than one person where, say, I oh. thought this was going to be more like goodwill hunting. choke each other against a wall um, yeah. Yeah. but you see the other thing is that you see so many of oh this therapist is actually your hidden love interest and they were actually the person who you were supposed to be with and you see that trope over and over and over again and it drives me nuts oh yeah and that's like the most unethical i couldn't even imagine a real life therapist i'm sure it's happened a bunch as, of times but as it's happened as, it's against the law as a malpractice in, it, as a malpractice investigator it yeah a lot wow yeah. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be shocked yeah, it does happen we talk about it what episode we talk it in our episode Step of stepbrothers <laughs> we really go to town on uh on everything yeah, we talk about it. Well, one of the things that I, you know, like as a supervisor, I get trained to look at is the statistics of like what the ethical complaints actually come in as and what people get busted for. And, you know, I, I'm sure like as you as a uh, investigator, you see a different side of it than I do. But the side that I see, at least in our state the past couple of years, is that it's not as rampant as media makes it seem. It does happen, but the range of complaints is the uh, of 20, there's maybe two instances where that gets to complain and then the other uh you know 16 are complaints about people not completing ceus which are continuing education right, yeah. and then two more CMEs. are people who didn't do their didn't pay their taxes and they well, they find well, you for that yeah and 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 the the sad part about it is that a lot of the times that these kind of things don't get caught until it's someone under investigation for healthcare fraud which is most which is about money Right, uh, right. Is a sad yeah. part of the you know <clears throat> North American uh, healthcare uh, culture, um, but yeah. Um, so I guess the 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 next thing is um, you know what is uh, I know we were talking and we we've had a couple of personal stories so far, but what are I guess what drove uh, certainly maybe the professionals then. Um, speaking as a non-professional, what drove you to come into this field or why is it that you wanted to, um, you know, enter and into helping others? Was there, was there something that happened in, I guess, in your past, what's your origin story? I'll get us, I'll put it in, in comic book terms. Um, let's start with, with Anna. Cause I know Anna has to go soon. So yeah. I want to, I want to get yeah. her out before she, before she pops out. We already, we already lost Mike. Fast. Um, I mean, I guess my origin story is that I have a lot of trauma in, in my past. Uh, my, my father actually has antisocial personality disorder. And so growing up with him, there was a lot of abuse, um, especially most emotional abuse. And so I have grown up struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, I've got a touch of OCD. There's, there's a lot. So I, I know what it's like to be in the client's position. And so I just kind of as I got older, this solidified in my mind, like I want to help people who are going through this kind of stuff. Um, I think that's really common in uh, 
therapy in being a professional. A lot of the people I met in schooling had the same kind of stuff where like they, if not they themselves experience this kind of stuff, then they know someone really close to them who does. So it does help to have that kind of inside perspective. Um, if we're going to talk about media, then I know how important media is in just kind of opening up that it is okay to struggle with this stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of the book Speak by Lori Hulse Anderson, um, but that I read that when I was really young. I want to say like 13 or 12, um, and it depicts someone who goes through, she, she she's raped, and she goes through kind of the trauma of dealing with it and being really quiet about it and kind of getting to this place where she can get help for it. And I, I've never gone through that myself, but I related to her in how she was handling her trauma and just being able to read. And she was, the, like I said, she was the viewpoint character. So just being able to read something from someone who was going through the same emotions I was going through was really powerful. And I think that if we're talking about the depiction of mental health in media, that that is something we need to think about is how the people that are going through the same things are reading these and seeing, seeing these films and playing these games and saying, oh my gosh, it's okay to experience the things I'm experiencing. Like you said, like, oh my gosh, they're a superhero, they can deal with that. You know, they're a superhero, they're going through that. It's important for us to see that it's just a thing that we experience as humans. Yeah, it's a thing that, that happens to us. It's not a defining uh, act, attribute yeah. of who we are. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a, a thing and things happen. Very well said, very, very well stated. Um, yeah, I, and I do think it's important that, that there are those sort of positive depictions of people uh, with various um, disorders and uh, issues in media because we always, we as, as a species like to look for ourselves and we are looking <laughs> for, for someone to relate to um, in, the me in media. And so if we can find ourselves in that and we say, okay, well, if they're going through it, then, then I can do that. Um, but, but do it in a positive way. And yeah. I think that and that's, I think that's one helpful. One thing that's happening in media, and Ben, you kind of touched on this when you talked about The Last Jedi, is I think people were caught off guard by how Luke was being portrayed as someone who's gone through a lot and is dealing with that trauma. It's because the movie didn't say like, look at this person who's dealing with trauma. It's, it wasn't, it's not right, a movie right. about trauma, but there is a character who is explicitly experiencing it. It just isn't stated. And I think if a movie or a piece of media isn't explicitly stated as, oh, a book about mental health and mental illness, then it kind of gets shoved under the rug a little bit. Or completely misinterpreted or eviscerated, even in the case of Last Jedi, exactly. by many fans. Like, if you look at how Joker was... Uh, depicted like it's very clearly depicted that this is going to be a mental health movie to take on Joker and Last Jedi was you're right not even remotely it's like it's Star Wars it's awesome right. and go and enjoy Star Wars I'm like this is very different movie this is a very different movie they ruined yeah. my Luke you know the, yeah. the, those those people mm -hmm. the butthurt yeah. fanboys mm -hmm. yeah uh. Um, so I guess, uh, I'll jump in really quick. This is Hannah from Popcorn Psychology. Um, I started seeing a therapist when I was 25 
And my first therapist told me that maybe I should think about becoming a therapist. And I was like, what? I don't think so. I have way too many problems. So I struggle with depression, anxiety, um, and past trauma. And after, it was one of those experiences where once I got to grad school and I was sitting in my first marriage and family therapy class, it really felt like that was where I was supposed to be. And so, and since then, I, you know, I've been able to complete everything, but really, I think um, being able to, being on the other side, having been a client, I think sometimes really is helpful um, when it comes to having a good idea of what it could be like for a client coming in. Like at the end of all my intake sessions, I pretty much say, thank you so much for coming in. I know it's really hard to tell somebody all of your stuff. And I really appreciate that you're able to be as open as you were, just because I think it's something that it's really, it could be really stressful. So, and I think, you know, what I really like about doing our podcast is that we really get a chance to kind of lay it, to lay it out for everybody and to kind of point out like, no, this, 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 this is not how things work. This is not what this would actually be like. And I think the other thing that, that, um, I think is a little bit different about ours is that we have three different mental health professionals. So I think it's also really helpful to show people that all three of us look at things in a different way, which I think, again, talks to how important it is to have a really good fit for your therapist. I think that's something else that people don't realize that, you know, it's so hard to make that phone call and make that first appointment. And then you go and you're kind of like, mm, I don't know if I really like them, but then feel either A, like that's, well, then I'm not going to go anymore because I don't like them or B, that they can't do anything about it. Right. Uh, one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In mm-hmm. in speaking like professionally for what I do for a living, like all these people are licensed. Um, yeah, it, it's def- definitely here in the United States. Like you, depending on what state or territory you live in, you you can you can research all of these people online. The 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 federal, state, and municipal governments are mandated by law to produce data pertaining to you know uh the professionals past like where where they graduated from their independent schools what kind of certifications they have if if they are uh someone who can who can prescribe medication they by law they have to list like what kind of stuff they're billing to medicare and medicaid so you can do your research and you can kind of pick up on red flags if you think someone might not be a good fit so uh, I highly suggest anyone to do their research before uh, picking a provider. Yeah, and I also like if I've had several people who um, have found me on like Psychology Today, which is one of the places that people find, uh, find us, and they'll send me an email and say, hey, can I just talk to you? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I will absolutely talk to you and answer questions just so that like for, you know, not for like an hour, but like, so to give you a sense of what I'm like, like, yes, it says it on my profile, but sometimes we just have to, do and we might, exactly, we exactly. Like, do, does it feel like you, you understand what I'm going through? Not necessarily, um, instead of having to wait until that first appointment and try to, and try to wait for that. And so in my anxiety has actually been something that I have to deal with when we record, like I have a whole setup. I'm currently holding on to like a crystal and a rock. It's like a very, I have, I have the whole thing I have to do. And actually, if you listen to our episodes, I don't really talk that much. 
in like the first like five or six episodes because I'm so anxious and so worried about voicing my opinion and people thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about. And so, I mean, even that, you know, can sometimes come up. And so I think it's also part of why, um, part of why I like doing this so much because it's also actually helped me um, feel more, I don't know, feel better about that, that I know what I'm doing. Syndrome. Exactly. <laughs> and and I, then the, the, those, uh, Bye, Anna. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> those uh, personal rituals are so important. Like I myself, thankfully we record late at night, but I'm, I, I tend to have an adult beverage just because I have a horrible debilitating uh, speech impediment, um, which doing the podcast and I kind of uh, host it on behalf of our co-hosts. Uh, it's kind of helped me in my comfort level. So my stammers, and my stutters don't come out. So it's one of those things that has helped improve my physical health as well. Go so far. I don't take the opportunity to tell my story very often. So I'll give you guys kind of a rundown. So in uh, my family, there's a long history of depression um, and also substance abuse. Um, there's several people in my family that have died from alcoholism. Um, and it's a returning struggle. It's actually why I generally don't work with substance abuse because I have to draw a boundary for myself there. Um, but as far as myself, I've dealt with depression and uh, ADHD throughout my life. If you've listened to my podcast, you probably heard my inattentiveness happen at times where I was distracted by things. Um, but I also, at one point, due to that unique combination, um, was misdiagnosed with bipolar for a long time and took medication for that that ended up poisoning my kidneys. Um, and that has uh, created a sense of anxiety in me that I have to deal with at times about like just existential, like how's this gonna impact my life and how long uh, my lifespan and try not to be angry and bitter about that happening, but also being able to come up to a point where I can understand the medical side of things that clients go through and the consequences of actually giving someone medication and how to kind of work with them to evaluate the benefits versus the cost. Cause I still do have to take medicine to manage the depression and anxiety, but I'm super weary of it because of what taking medication for years that I did not need due to a misdiagnosis. Uh, so I, it's helped me a lot to identify with that. Uh, I also am a cancer survivor I got diagnosed with testicular cancer in 2016. Fortunately, I didn't have to go through chemo and all of that, but I did have to go through the process of realizing that my body might be trying to kill me and it might impact my ability to have children. And I had to deal with that. And I've also had, uh, while in grad school, dealt with a depressive episode that derailed me for a year of school um, and have now gone through a point where people like, uh, while in school were saying like, oh, I don't know, like, do you think you can make it through this program? And I said, yes, I don't quit. And now I've accelerated myself to where I've been uh, one of the youngest managers promoted at my various jobs and have been a clinical director for a while because of the perspective and determination I've been able to have and have been able to use my resources to go to therapy and to take medications and have supports throughout my life that have helped me to find a perspective and skills needed to succeed despite having diagnosis and history of family mental illness.
I mean, I can jump in now. This, this is Brittany from Popcorn Psych. That was Ben because he didn't say his name. I do that. See, the intentiveness. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have like an awareness of why I wanted to be a therapist. It's just come, something I kind of wanted to do for as long as I can remember. But there was no big like where I saw therapists as a kid or I knew anyone who saw therapy I don't know if like I saw something on Sally Jesse Raphael when I was little <laughs> and it like brought something into my brain about the psychology so I remember even like when you're like in elementary school and they make you like write down what you want to be when you grow up I'd always put like a psychologist but I don't I have no cognizant idea where that came from but it stuck with me obviously all the way till now um because I didn't even start going to therapy myself for like anxiety and some like depressive symptoms until I was in my 30s. But I've been doing that now for two years and it's been one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, so I don't have a super weighty origin story going into psychology other than it just was something that very much interested me and something I've always been, I don't know, it's so dorky to say, like, I felt a calling towards it, because that's so oh, it's dorky. Not. It's not but dorky at all. Awesome. I think it does feel like something I was always supposed to do, and something I always thought about doing. Like, I had Barbies that did, like, group therapy, and I don't even know where I <laughs> saw that. I have no idea where. <laughs> that's what I say. It must have been a talk show or something, or, like, maybe it was on Days of Our Lives. I don't Probably. know. Probably. <laughs> that's kind of the long and the short of my backstory. Guardians guys? Well, I guess I can I can jump in. Um, I haven't told my story too much, but when I was a kid, me and my family were involved in a rather uh, big car accident that led me to suffer from trauma, anxiety, and go see a, a child psychologist when I was a kid. That really helped me. And growing up, I had some issues with anxiety, depression, uh, where... Uh, pop culture, mainly some of those Saturday morning TV shows. So the Batman, the animated series, Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles really helped me through it. And I had some difficulties through uh, undergrad and grad school with uh, depressive episodes that I've been in and out of therapy for the better part of my life. That has greatly helped me be where I am now. Wow. So, so Joe, you got any anything you want to? I think you're the the last one. <laughs> Am I really? No. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, my history is uh, you know, it's not very grand or anything. I uh suffered uh from anxiety uh in an extreme way. I was actually medicated for uh several years for it and would go through panic attacks and uh, I've always been a very outgoing person. Uh, I always try my best to help others and this and that, but I just couldn't help myself. And then uh, I started uh, communicating more with uh, people about, you know, in, in my network to, uh, you know, take better care of myself. And that's when I reached out to my doctor and everything. And eventually uh, I was able to work myself into a, uh, like a self-care plan and then actually got, off the uh, anxiety medicine and uh, have just been kind of dedicating my, my free time to educating myself uh, as much as I can where, you know, with having a family and a day job and doing all the things that we all do and love to do. 
but educating myself more with uh, mental health. And the more I learn, I figure I could pay forward to helping others. So I might not be a doctor, but I, I do my very best to get as many certifications and trainings and uh, network with uh, for great resources and do my best. Right now, I'm currently about uh, 60 hours in on a 200 hour uh, volunteer uh, volunteering with a crisis text line as one of their crisis counselors. So several times a week, I'm on that platform assisting people going through immediate crisis. And that's where I am right now. That's my story. And I'm just an average Joe. I, you know, don't be fooled by my name. It, it is real. Like I am an average Joe. Joe, you're going for, through training to be a, a crisis counselor. Trust me, there's nothing average about that. That is, uh, that is incredibly honorable <laughs> and one of the most commendable things um, that you can do because you are you know, literally putting yourself uh, on the front lines there in dealing with uh, folks that are in crisis. And uh, I, have a, I have a friend who, who does a crisis hotline for, um, for sex abuse and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And the, the stuff that she has to hear, um, and she is herself a, a recovering, uh, you know, someone who's gone through a, a great amount of, of trauma in her past. And folks like that, and, and I, I tip my hat to, to Doc, you know, who's not here, I tell him all the time. Um, and to all of you, the, both the professionals and the non-professionals, just everybody who, who does this, um, it's, it's yeoman's work. Um, you know, my, my origin story, so to speak, uh, I've, I've posted about it uh, on the site and I've, I've spoken about it. Uh, I was uh, suicidally depressed in high school and um, I, I, <clears throat> I did have a, a epiphany of sorts. I, and I, I know we, we just spent like a whole hour talking about how you don't have this one event and clarifies everything for you. Um, and it, it didn't clarify everything, but it did give me a, a sorely needed perspective. Uh, long story short, that there was a kid um, in this, I was a junior, he was a senior, and he died in a car accident. And uh, over the weekend, and we had come into school the next day, or I guess that Monday, and my religion teacher was talking to us, because I went to a Catholic high school, about the the incident and how we were all coping with it. And and uh, he said, well, Tony's not going to get to graduate, and Tony's not going to get to do this, and Tony's not going to get to do all those things. And, and in high school, everybody knew me as Tony. And it occurred to me, like, had I, had I killed myself, had I committed suicide, he would be talking about me. And just sort of from my perspective, um, that's how I heard it, and that's how it impacted me. And I was in, like, I look back on it now, and the fact that I didn't just flee the room sobbing hysterically, or I didn't just have an immediate breakdown in the classroom, I don't know how that that didn't happen. But from then on, like, I, I think about I think about him um, from you know from time to time, and I think about the impact that that sadly that his death has had on my life, and so always trying to do everything I can to help others. Um, and, and to, to live a life that is worth celebrating um, and, and paying it forward as much as possible. And so whatever, in whatever small way that I can do that, um, 
you know, and this is like 20 years on now, uh, 21 years, basically, that, uh, that it's been since that incident that, that I think back on that and, and the trajectory that my life has taken since then has been vastly different. And I know the signs now. Um, and uh, to, to some of the other points is I, I am currently researching therapists because I do want to talk to somebody because I've spoken as, about depression as my recurring villain. Um, to, to put it in the comic book terms that, that a lot of folks can understand is, you know, depression is my recurring villain that I can never, he's never gone away. He'll, he'll be locked up in Arkham Asylum or what have you for, for a while and I can, I can manage it. But then eventually he breaks out and he wreaks havoc on my life and um, it's not always easy to do that. And um, you know, as a father now, I have a, a, a six month old uh, at home uh, my sister always says that having a child makes you deal with your stuff, makes you face your baggage more than anything. <laughs> and uh, I know we've got some parents in this chat and, and uh, I've, you know, I'm sure you understand that, that all of a sudden you realize you, you think you have everything figured out until you realize that you have to model for someone else. You have to model your life for someone else. And you go, oh, I don't want them to be, oh God, I, I have all these things that I have to, that I haven't <laughs> grappled with or I haven't chosen to face, but now I don't want my, my child to end up like that. So now I have to figure it out so that they don't have to go through the same stuff that I went through. Um, so that's sort of my, I guess, my origin story, as it were. Um, to piggyback yeah. on what you said there, Anthony, um, it's one thing with uh, mental health professionals. I always say to a lot of clients is sometimes do as I say, not necessarily as I do. Because sometimes we aren't the best models for proper mental health. I, I try to be as much as I can, but sometimes it's not that the way kind of life revolves around. No, so and I, knowing, I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing that we are not infallible, we are human and we're going to have off days and it happens. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's and something. Oh, go ahead, son. I was just going to say to piggy on your piggy uh, <laughs> uh what like the moment you, like Ed, as a father i have a nine and a six-year-old like once you accept that you have to manage that unwanted companion uh that is your mental health uh you know once you kind of accept that you can kind of get on a on an even keeled plane in order to uh, navigate parenthood in, in my experience, at least. In, uh, in ACT therapy, one uh, example they give is the therapist and the client are both climbing a mountain. The difference is, is the therapist is on a different mountain than the client, and they may be a little higher up so they can see a different path for the other person. But that client, that uh, therapist is still climbing their own mountain. I really like that analogy. Um, and, and I certainly, you know, acknowledge and, and Doc would certainly agree with me that just because you're a mental health professional doesn't mean that you are free of any, you know, uh, anything that, that, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're a PhD or you're an MD or, you know, you're, you're a psychiatrist, psychologist, what have you, you, you've got it all figured out. Like, I, I know that's not the case. Uh, and Doc mm -hmm. will certainly tell you he is, mm -hmm. he is far from an infallible human being. Um, and he's been my best friend for over 20 years. And if anybody knows he's not infallible, believe me, it's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I know that. Um, and I think that that's an important thing that, that it, it's all about destigmatizing and breaking that down and, and understanding that 
therapists are people too. Um, and therapists have to talk to somebody, you know, I'm sure that the professionals in this room, um, or in this chat, you know, many of you probably talk to coworkers or you have your own therapist. I mean, uh, is that, is that a correct statement? I guess. Yep. It's certainly not uncommon for us to do that. Like I, I first had a therapist when I was 13 and I've gone back off and on as needed, but it's definitely common for us to either seek supervision to work through like professional side of things and the, the difficulties we may get from clients or to seek professional counseling from another therapist on our own for our own issues. And it's important to be able to find the balance for that because some issues are professional and others are personal and you have to be able to figure out who's the right person to talk to for each of those different circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't ever be a therapist who doesn't have a therapist. I always have to have one um, just for myself. I think it's um, just be the way that I am and trying to be really aware and just having somebody I can talk to about professional, just like you said, Ben, professional and personal things and how sometimes again, you know, being, having somebody come in who like, I want to help because I wanted to be able to help my sister or something like that. And being able to go to a professional that I already have a relationship with and say, man, I'm really struggling with like trying to have my own boundaries around what is what I should be doing as a professional and what I want to do personally, because I want to try to solve this, this feeling that I have that I've carried for such a long time. So I, yeah, so I've been in therapy for about 10 years now and have an established therapist here in Chicago that I will probably see forever for that reason. All right. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, I know we talked about the, the depiction, you know, uh, and sort of planning this, we talked about the depictions of mental health. Um, we, we wanted to touch on some personal stories and I think we've done a, an excellent job of that. Uh, is there anything else I think for our listeners, you know, we, we've sort of been navel gazing a little bit, um, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but for our listeners, I guess what's something that, that you all want to reach since we are obvious, <clears throat> since we are obviously all reaching people that may not necessarily be listening to our show specifically, but you know, maybe somebody who's, who hasn't heard Capes on the Couch, but you're a fan of, of popcorn psychology or, you know, Pops Like 101 and you're being introduced to, you know, Guardians listeners, et cetera. Um, what are, I guess, what, what do you want to say to the listeners, um, both, you know, as maybe professional or, or the non-professionals uh, in the room? that that hasn't been said already i i would i would say that if uh if you're struggling with your mental health and how to orient it and talk to someone almost anyone even if you don't want to talk to someone you know find a stranger if you don't want to like talk on the phone or in person text 741741 the crisis text line just start conversing in um make that make that leap forward if, if 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 you want to address your mental health know that it's okay to not be okay it's something and that I, I say almost every day and i would say because we kind of what anna was saying earlier a lot of the movies we talk about on popcorn psychology aren't quote-unquote mental health movies like we purposely pick movies that are more like blockbuster mainstream movies that maybe no one would ever think of in terms of mental health <clears throat> to kind of convey the message that mental health is everywhere, even when you're not looking. And so to help, like I said, anyone who's listening, 
that it's not as isolating as you think and it's not as weird as you think like mental health isn't everywhere it's in all things and as long as we start really seeing it then it's less of oh that person down the street who goes to a therapist or that Mm -hmm. one cousin who goes to a therapist like mental health is everywhere yeah one of the things we always like to say is uh i don't know if you guys saw i jumped back on (laughs) uh welcome back uh, thank you uh is mental health is health uh, there's, there's, Ryan always likes to say like, he, he, he wants it to get to a point where it's like, okay, the same thing as I have a broken ankle or some sort of ailment. Like it's treated the same way. Um, it's so, so common to have issues with your mental health. I mean, it's super hard being a human, uh, mm-hmm. being like conscious, like not to get too like, uh, philosophical, but just being so aware as we are, it's just tough. So it's, uh, it's really common to have problems with your mental health. Um, but mental health is, is even just being healthy. You know, it's, it's something to take care of. Um, so yeah. I'll Um, piggyback here too. It's that I think the thing that I want to communicate most is that like everyone's saying is don't suffer in silence. If something is going on, there are people out there who can help and it's, you know, if it's too hard to talk to people that you know, or to feel like you're vulnerable or to reveal anything, it's okay to take your time and research therapists. There's lots of us out there. There's lots of different perspectives. There's lots of modalities. There's lots of ways that people can help you and can be there for you so that you don't have to be alone. It's not weakness, it's strength. To seek help is not weakness at all. And it doesn't mean that something is permanently wrong with you or that something is broken inside of you, it might mean that you need some support getting through something. It may mean you have something that's going to be something that needs to be worked on and managed forever. Uh, It may mean that, but what is better is, you're better to do is to be managing it as opposed to pretending it's not there. Because if you pretend it's not there, the things that are going wrong will keep going on, whether you acknowledge them or not. And to have the opportunity to do things a little bit better and have someone guide you through that and help you through that can really make a big difference in your life. Uh, another thing is uh, like specifically because we all do a lot of pop culture stuff uh, and we focus on accuracy, like I said before, but is to, because it's so prevalent, we hear mental health a lot more these days, uh, you know, mental health awareness. But if you see like a specific portrayal, like I always tell people I know now to just be a little skeptical of a like fantastical portrayal of mental health. Uh, like, you know, like dissociative identity disorder, you know, it's always like this awesome plot thing for movies and stuff. But like, if you see mental health and it's like so super scary, like it might not be exactly the way the movie's showing you. So if you're questioning it, like, you know, just look it up on Google and see if it's even similar at all. The one thing I'll, I'll jump in here and say is uh, I, I saw something recently on Facebook that I had to laugh and, and we're talking about the destigmatization is um, it said like boomers, like whispering, oh, that, that, you know, I think our neighbor, she went to dot, 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 therapy. <laughs> yeah. And then millennials in all caps, OMG, y'all, guess what my therapist just told me? Like, <laughs> and and I, I had to laugh because I, thought, I think it's so true, though, that there is this discussion that at least, you know, as a, as a millennial, an elder millennial, as Eliza Schlesinger would say, but I'm still, I still technically am a millennial, 82, damn it, um, that, 
you know, that, that there is this. I'm so glad you admit that. <laughs> um that there that there is this much more openness about it and i think generationally that that the millennial generation and and you know gen z or whatever the the kids are calling themselves these days um you know that they are not going to have those same hang-ups about stuff and then maybe just maybe by the time you know my son has children um should i be blessed to see that day that it, I'm not. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it'll be fine and there will be no problems. But I think it's going to be a lot less uh, stigmatized. And I'm hoping that this trend continues. That it won't be spoken about in hushed tones, or that you know, oh, they they they're they're talking to someone. Whoo, you know, the, the the those waspy you know type folks that are you know always interested in other people's business. Like, yeah, they're getting help. Mm-hmm. What are you doing about it? You know, they're getting help. You're judging them. Who's, you know, who's the dick here? So <laughs> I think that, that our generation um, is, is a lot more open and freeing about that. And I hope that it, that it continues. Again, not that it, it's without problems, but that we are, we are moving towards that state that hopefully, um, you know, one day we will see that it, it is, you know, oh, I had to go to the therapist is, is as common as, oh, you know, I, I had a sniffle, so I went to the doctor to go see it. And ideally, it'll be integrated more into everything, like school and your overall, like getting a wellness check will also include psychology. Like that's my hope is that it just Absolutely. becomes just way more Agreed. integrated into everything and less of a very specific odd thing you do that you have to make the very pointed choice to do. Yeah, that's I, actually, one- I, I was just going to chime in real fast that uh, I'm in New Jersey. One of my state legislators who I've actually known for a long time is a good friend of mine. Um, he said he introduced a bill to allow uh, students in, a, I think it's may, maybe just high school or maybe high school and grammar school to take mental health days. Like it's going to be actually oh, allotted awesome. that in addition to your sick days that you get mental health days. Um, and I, oh, think he, I think he allotted three or four. Obviously, you know, you can't take every day as a mental health day, but it's, it's something, you know, that it is, that is an acknowledgement that it, that there is something that needs to be done about it. And we have to give these kids the ability to say, you know what, I'm burnt out. I just need a day where just whatever, and no, no questions, no, no judgment, just take the day. I'm 37. I take mental health days from work. So, um, so it, you, you do need them and it, it does happen. It does happen. It happens for all of us. And I think one of the things I wanted to comment on since we're here in Chicago is that our teachers union is currently striking right now. And one of the things that they're putting on the table, instead of they've been offered like a 16% raise and they're even refusing that because one of the things that they're saying is we need nurses, we need social workers and counselors and librarians in our schools because the schools are often splitting mental health staff between schools. And that's outrageous when you have as many kids in the school. And I'm really happy to see that and fully support them. Now, and that's, this, that's the most important, like so important. when you're young. That's the onset of so many things, particularly in high school. Yeah. But I think also it's just the messaging of, are we prioritizing mental health at that age? Like if it's not even in your school, then they're already starting the messaging of mental health is not important. Absolutely. And or it's not something we prioritize. We don't talk, talk about, about that here. Yeah. yeah, we don't talk about that here. This isn't where you come to talk about that. Uh oh. It should be a class, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think 
I think I literally just Sorry, posted, all my headphones just died. Just posted on Twitter a couple days ago how some legislator somewhere said some shit about how they need to worry about fucking peer. Oh, I forgot. Oh, we're swearing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I my brain totally went out the window. I'm sorry. Are we? I did. I did. I did make it this far. Anyway, it was a, it was about they were talking about peer pressure, and I went on and said, no, you know what? Peer pressure has been a thing forever. I'm not so much worried about that. You know what I think would be really helpful? Let's teach kids what mental health symptoms look like and maybe what it might feel like for them and the difference that that would make in, especially when we think about the onset of some um, mental health uh, symptoms and illnesses come between the ages of 17 and 24. The amount of people that I have in my office who have no idea that that is the time when things may shift and why college might be so hard blows mm -hmm. my mind. Even giving, even giving some general information would be so much more important than worrying about peer pressure, which will always be a thing. I, I couldn't even imagine uh, like when my stuff started is like around 19 mm -hmm. and I started uh, one of like with like some of the more manic symptoms. I also started having like really bad panic attacks. Like, I went, I went to the hospital all the time. Yeah. If, if I had just had any information back then about the fact that the panic attack is, yeah, it sucks. It's scary, but like, it's like, it wasn't going to kill me. Like I could have saved right. a lot of money. I could have mm -hmm. probably been a lot more comfortable. Just, I probably would have got over like that phase, all the panic attacks quicker. Like there's just, I had no information back then. Yeah. And I think that's what, that is what continues to be heartbreaking that not only are they not teaching um, sexual health at all, which is bananas. They're also, we're also not talking about mental health at all. And it's, there are just so many things that that would shift and so much. And I think it would impact stigma. Absolutely. I think it might even be one of the things that would completely wipe it off because then it would be completely normal to learn about mental health in school. Kind of what you kind of what you said, Ben, like if we make it a part of everyday life, like it should be yep. because, it is because it is already freaking happening, then it would, I, I just, I don't think stigma would be a thing anymore. Not to get out on a soapbox too much, but one of the things I feel plays a big part into that is how spread thin mental health professionals are absolutely in terms of there's yeah. not enough to go around and the ones that are practicing are just overloaded in terms of how many clients and the workload that they do have that they don't have enough time to do a lot of that education or um able to spread the message about mental health and symptoms and what's going on. I will Doc, Doc would agree that. with you, but he's not here because he got stuck at work because he's been <laughs> short staffed. So <laughs> right. that, to case in point. Exactly. Right. Case in point. And I, I, I want to like piggyback here on that is that uh, I was a supervisor. I mean, I still am, but I was a supervisor in a community mental health agency where Brittany and Hannah and I all worked and we worked with the most chronic population. We worked with people who were hospitalized and our goal was specifically to intercept people who are in the hospital and work with them on getting the resources to decrease hospitalizations, which, you know, uh, benefits the insurance companies, which manage Medicaid now, which is, I have issues with, but that's for a later topic. But mm -hmm. the, uh, it helps manage that, but it also helps decrease the crisis moments of going to the hospital because every time you go to the hospital is a traumatic moment. 
It's mm. not something that's fun. It's not something that feels good. And it is like a loss of freedom moment. And mm. uh, something that we would see, especially supervisors, is that the number of people that we had to assign to one clinician was outrageous. It wow. was just outrageous to, for this high population. We'd have like a hundred people to a clinician and the amount of paperwork and regulations that kept coming. Like when the job started, uh, the program lasted four years. When the job started, it was a breath of fresh air because we were able to have some freedom and uh, the amount of documentation we did was sensible to what we were doing. And as time went on, it got so absurdly ridiculous that staff were burning out. Yeah. They couldn't handle the workload and do the interventions that the people needed. So it became a constant struggle of, do people have time to do the work that they need to do in order to make the interventions that they need to do and also complete the paperwork that the regulators are demanding be done? As someone who's been hospitalized uh, um, inpatient twice for um, suicidal stuff and uh, intensive outpatient for a while too, is uh, when you get there, um, you're already really lonely. Um, they right. take your they take your shoelaces, um, and it's just it's getting better. But um, you know, like where I was wasn't very comfortable. And then the people are so overworked that you're there for however many days, and you could fit all the meetings you have with people inside of like two hours, and you're you know there until they let you leave. Um, and by so what ends up happening, you're not working on. There's just not a lot happening, so you end up. I don't, for me, like I ended up doing a lot of exaggerating about how much better I felt so I could get out. Yeah. I worked in a different field because I work in private practice, but it's kind of the similar type of thing. Uh, I had to reduce my course load and my caseload just because it, it was so much and it just creeps up so fast. Uh, I'm right now I'm close to a hundred clients and I want to be around 80 just because I have insurance companies and regulations in terms of paperwork and things to write for uh, either insurances, lawyers, uh, a variety of things that I just do not have the time to do. And I know that that's the entirety of every professional in my city in terms of there are none in terms of free spots because we're so overbooked. Yep. It happens to all of us. It all reaches a point where I would have four more appointment slots or so in a day available if I didn't have to do as much paperwork as I have to do. Hmm. I mean, like everything, it, there's a lot of different parts to this that need to be shifted and changed, but I'm glad that at, at least we're here and we're able to hmm. make a change and reach people that aren't coming specifically to see us. And I think the idea that helping one person, we've been, we've talked to a couple different people, or I think I was interviewed by somebody for a paper not that long ago. And they asked, what was your goal? Like, what is your goal for having your podcast? I was like, my goal is to help one person feel like they are heard or understood or help them understand that they can get help if, if they have the resources, like in that, and that's already happened. So we've kind of already met our goal and so just continuing this and being able to, you know, do something like this where we can all talk about it together and kind of show people, look, there's all different parts to this, but we're all here to help. And we, we know that, that the resources aren't where they need to be. And hopefully by doing something like this and reaching out to different kinds of professionals that we can find a way to make a shift in policy to make these things easier. 
your mouth uh, to God's ears. Hannah, did did I see you kind of like squirm when they were talking about millennials in 82? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm 83 accurate. and I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. So I wanted to give a quick uh, thing. <laughs> I read an article. This is like two days ago. Uh, some study or some whatever study. Something came out and some professional somewhere is now naming like between 77 and 83 is no longer a millennial. We are now called zennials because we're exactly like a Gen X mixed with millennials. That makes me feel much better. <laughs> much better. <laughs> got a subcategory. I think it goes to 85 or 87. Oh, does it? The okay. people, yeah, the people who grew up with, uh, you know, the computer age and uh, tapes and know what floppy disks are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And VHS. But, but then also like ushered in social media and stuff. Yeah. Right, had AOL and went through <laughs> the evolution from AOL to Facebook. Mm-hmm. You're still a millennial. I didn't have an AOL then, so shut up. <laughs> I, I did have AOL. <laughs> totally. I did have AOL. I had, oh. uh, what did I have? I had Juno before oh, wow. AOL. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Did, what you was po- did, did you post that to your Ge- GeoCities page, though? Oh, my God. No, I did have a GeoCities page, but, oh, but I was on AOL by that point. I had a Zanga. I wow. had a Zanga. Oh, I've never <laughs> met anybody else a Zanga. I don't even really know excited. what that is. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope nobody younger is listening right now. <laughs> and it was Zanga with an X because it was cool. Yep. Right. I played Doom wow. on floppy disks. Oh my God! Same. Oh yeah, I played Wolfenstein on floppy disks. Oh, yes, sir. Me too. Game. Wolfenstein Love 3D. Wolfenstein. <laughs> Amazing. All right, uh, I think we've, uh, you know, I think we we broke away from the the topic a bit. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, I don't I don't know what else to to add. I mean, we've been going now for an hour forty. I don't know if any of our listeners are going to hold on for this long by the time uh, the episode <laughs> comes out. Um, so do we just want to, you know, wrap things up and I guess uh, tell yeah. everybody where they can where they can find you all on the internet and uh, social media and all that. Um, so I guess I'll get started. Um, you can you can find us at capesonthecouch.live. We have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Capes on the Couch. We have a a Patreon page that you can go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/CapesOnTheCouch. We have a T Public page where you can go and buy cool swag with our logo on it. Um, and uh, you can find me personally at Anthony Sitko on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the express the the views expressed on my personal page do not necessarily reflect those of Capes on the Couch. Um, <laughs> I just, I feel I'm a little more free with my, my thoughts because uh, I don't have to be on brand, so to yeah. speak. Um, who wants to jump in next? Uh, we can go. So we are Popcorn Psychology. You can find us at Popcorn underscore Psych on Twitter, at Popcorn Psychology on Facebook. And we're also on Instagram. I'll let Brittany tell you what that is, though. It's Popcorn Psychology, Ben. There we go. <laughs> I do not use the Instagram. Um, I'm a grandpa and that. Respect, I don't know. But, uh, Instagram yeah, is. That, so you can find us in all of those places and anywhere you find podcasts, we are available as Popcorn Psychology. Uh, and we look for uh, Popcorn Psychology at Gmail if you want to send us a private message or, uh, and Patreon. We also have a Patreon now, uh, patreon.com slash Popcorn Psychology. If you want to check out a place to get some cool swag and interact with us, we're very responsive on any of those outlets. So please reach out to us if you want to talk to us more.
Um, and for uh, Guardians MH, you can find all of our resources and all the ways to get in touch with us just at guardiansmh.org. Um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, all of our, all the social media places just at Guardians MH. Um, if you want to get involved, let us know. We also have a Patreon, which is linked onto our uh, website as well. Uh, me personally, you can find me most actively on uh, Twitter and Twitch, just at Sentinel Dad, extra D on the end. Notice how we all got quiet because we were allowing Alex to do the clothes for us because he does it every time. We'll mess it up. It's true. That's why I don't, I, I don't go on vacation that much. Uh, for me, again, at Guardians MH, but me personally, you can find me pretty much everywhere online at SSJ5Goku28. There you go. Oh, uh, I, I guess um, uh, popsych101.com if you want to find us. Uh, you can go there, and then all of the social medias are at popsych101. And then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, we're on all the platforms. You can listen to us everywhere. I don't think there's one we're not on. In, All in, places. In, and I know Anna with Freudian Sips had to leave early, but you can catch Freudian Sips just uh, at Freudian Sips Pod on Twitter and also FreudianSipsPod.com for their podcast. Yeah, I was I literally just brought up their their page just uh, to give them a plug because I didn't want Anna to feel left out. Yeah, exactly. Same, <laughs> same. Yeah. I brought it up. Yeah, I can't um, I can't plug my personal page because uh, I'm a making a murderer fanatic and I would just annoy people. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast I follow. I don't remember who, which one, but in addition to uh, their main account, or uh, I guess the, the creator is a big fan of Big Brother. And so like every time there's an episode, <laughs> everything is spammed with hashtag BB21 so much so that on TweetDeck, I had to mute it because I, I just have to mute that, anything with that hashtag. I just have to leave because you're spamming my feed. I'm trying to talk to people and all I'm getting is stuff about people living in a house that I don't care about. Um, but uh, so I guess that that's going to wrap it up then uh, so thank you all to everyone for uh, for joining uh, this and for for answering my my call to arms so to speak <laughs> um, it has been an, uh, an honor and a privilege to uh, share the same space and to, to play in the same sandbox with all of you and uh, I hope that we can all do this again and you know maybe this can lead to smaller you know, groups. Now the, the Avengers have, have formed and we've, we've had the thing. Now maybe certain Avengers can pop up in other Avengers movies. So you Some know, crossovers. Oh yeah, God, it's already happened in a couple of these. Well, we, I was going to say, yeah, I know, I know, uh, you know, Popcorn Psych and us have, have uh, shared the, the stage together. Oh my so. God, I went on with Guardians once too, so. Yeah. yeah. And I know, I know Doc has been meaning to reach out to you, uh, Dr. Goku. I know I keep telling sure. him, but, uh, you know, and that'll be just him so that the two of you can, can talk all you know real therapy type stuff you don't have to worry about me we can with nerd my, out yeah exactly you can nerd out and you don't have to worry about me going there well, i don't know what these things are yeah. <laughs> i feel like such an idiot uh whenever doc goes off on his uh his stuff because I'm, I'm not the professional i'm totally gonna make a graphic uh mental health avengers of all of us Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh sweet i think that well then awesome. you need to get that done before this episode drops so that we can put it as the art for for the page right and uh, you know I anthony will... has the cap tattoo so he might get dibs on cap <laughs> yes yes if, if we're all avengers can i be captain america <laughs> <laughs> Moon Knight. 
Four okay, okay. I'm okay with All that. my tattoos are DC comics. Everyone. I feel so alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put in the tweet after this uh, who you like, and I'll figure something out. Awesome. Awesome. That's, uh, that's fantastic. So, again, thank you guys so much for doing this, and uh, we, will, we will have to do this again at some point. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much, Anthony. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, thank everybody. You. Yeah.